Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 422 of Longbox Heroes. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How we doing today, Joe? You know, for a lot of these more recent episodes, we were trying to do something along the numbering scheme, like we did like something with 409, because it's like a cleaner of some kind. Right, uh, and uh, for what was the what's the big one for the marijuana, Joe? Yeah, we skipped over that one. We actually had I had actually someone ask me. They're like, "Oh, it's 420 show. You guys gonna do anything?" I'm like. No, but listen to episode 206 of Longbox Heroes <laughs> After Dark. <laughs> I do want to apologize here up front if I cough. I'm going to do my best not to cough directly into the mic. Mm-hmm. So if I go dead for a moment, it's because I'm hitting the mute button and I'm turning my head away from the uh, microphone. That is mighty kind of you, Joe. Yeah. I wanted to mention this on... After Dark, but I'm going to mention it up front here, just because we need a little padding for the episode. Right, because we're going quick this week. Not really, but... Just kidding. uh, Hate on podcasts. I know, Todd, you listen to... You probably hear this all the time on all the podcasts that you listen to. It's probably on every podcast I've ever listened to. Correct. And I do a lot of dumb stuff on this podcast that I'm sure annoys people. Not me, though. But there's stuff that... Right. Because you live the podcast. It's different for you. It's an experience. Right. It's not a download. Right. Uh, so, you know, I, I do my best not to clickety-clack on the keyboard anymore. I do my best not to be messing around with things on the desk while I'm doing the podcast anymore. I try my best to talk directly into the microphone. <laughs> I'm almost conscious of saying ums and uhs and all that sort of stuff. That more so filters through on After Dark. And at odds with wrestling, the little bit looser of a show. Right. One thing I don't do is I don't chew into the microphone. Chew what? Food or just chew your Anything. cud? Chew my cud, chew a pen, just have something in my mouth. Chewing gum while I'm on the on the podcast, right? Right. And I mentioned before about the coughing. Sometimes people, you know, a cough sneaks up on you, but sometimes it doesn't. And it's not like a Vince McMahon thing where it's like, oh, it's a sign of weakness. It's just like, no, you're messing with people's levels and you're, you know, coughing directly in their ear, essentially. Mm -hmm. But my new one, and this is not just in podcasts. And if this is you, I want to apologize. But when you're speaking to someone and they start their sentence or their thought or their response to you by saying, yeah, no, and then whatever they're going to say. Right. I don't know why, but that's a new thing within the last like two to three weeks that has just crawled under my skin. Mm-hmm. And any time that I have that I hear someone start a thought with saying "Yeah, no," ooh, I get hot. <laughs> Joe, why you got to give me more bullets for my gun? All right, that's a. That's all I have to say. Okay. As I scratch down on the paper before me, yeah, no, yeah. No. <laughs> See, in in that uh, in that give and take, who's on first sort of routine, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I just want to let you know, I'm staring over at my jar of pens, and I'm like, well, I want to click that pen right now, but I'm resisting the <laughs> urge to do so. What do we have on the show this week, Todd? 
Oh, in news, we have uh, not to be doubt done by DC. Marvel announces some streaming stuff. Mm-hmm. And also, did you CGC what certain book is going for a lot of money oh. at a certain grade? See what I did there, Joe? Um, also, we have uh, con news, free digital books and sales. What we read last week, which was Amazing Spider-Man number eight, and also one of the new Vertigo books, uh, Books of Magic number one. What we're looking forward to this week, um, I believe I have some art attacks. I may have even had one. And at the end of the show, I believe we have spoiler-filled talk full of three shows. Not one, not two, but three shows. Uh, Doctor Who, you're still watching that, right, Joe? Yes. Oh, that's the confident yes I like to hear coming through my headphones. Also, uh, Flash and Legends of Tomorrow. Right. I think I got everything, Joe. I'm not 100% sure. You're the, you're the great opening man on this show. I think I'm that's everything. I am the closer. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Ironically, you don't like coffee, so you get nothing for being a closer. Oh, I do, but you should see my watch. Mm -hmm. It's not as nice as Gil's watch. Mm, I have so many diamonds on it, the hands can't move. So anyway, this one just hot off the presses with whatever Disney's streaming service thing that they're going to have is which mm-hmm. all the Marvel movies are going to go to, and we speculated here last week with the quote-unquote cancellation of Luke Cage and Iron Fist. We assumed that they would probably be going over to this new streaming service. They just announced that they are going to be doing a Falcon Winter Soldier series on the Disney streaming service, whatever that would be. Right, and didn't they say something a little while back about possibly a Loki thing? Yes, no. Maybe. That I don't remember. I think it was around New York Comic Con with uh, Hiddleston. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. It seems like they are going to have where DC seems to have, like, all these universes and continuities. Like, you know, it's like, oh, we have the, the movie cinematic universe and we have the uh, CW TV shows. Plus, we have the animated universe. You know, we have the, the Bruce Tim universe in the past. I kind of like the idea of the streamlined Marvel. Like, no matter what we're doing, it seems like it's uh, it's in one universe for, for all their, like, live-action stuff, which I think is kind of cool and doesn't muddy the waters, if you know what I mean. Right, and eventually I feel as though this is all going to f- kind of fold into itself. And just looking over the Variety article about this, and again, this is in the, the dirt sheets. This is Variety, which is the industry rag, if you will. Uh, that in here, it just says, Marvel reported that they were prepping multiple limited series on characters that have yet to have their own standalone films. Uh, it says it was reported that characters like Loki and Scarlet Witch would be the subject of their own limited series, but this was the first one officially announced. Oh, okay. My mistake. Right. Well, again, it's just that, like, that was the talk, that they're like, oh, they'll probably do a Loki or a Scarlet Witch or whatever, and they are saying that looking to be six to eight episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, no title for it yet or anything else like that. But, again, it's something, it's a start. And, and as you mentioned, you know, you have all the live-action things, and I'm sure this is where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will live when it's no longer on network TV. I'm sure Agent Carter will get picked up here. Um, you know, Freeform is part of the whole streaming service and wherever Hulu is. So you've got Runaways out there. You've got Cloak and Dagger. Eventually, right. everything's going to be in one spot. Which is all under the Disney umbrella, so. And I remember, I think I remember someone saying that Marvel 
said that Captain Marvel coming out this, uh, you know, in early 2019 is going to be the last of their movies that goes to Netflix. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I, I, I'm wondering if Daredevil and, uh, you know, all the big ones like Daredevil is popular, how long for this world they are on Netflix, you know what I mean? Right, because it's real weird to Netflix these days, because mm-hmm. I guess folks were saying that uh, you'll search for something, and it will prompt you to search for something that, that, that Netflix doesn't have, if that makes any sense. Kind, I think. Like, you'll type it in, and it'll start to pre-fill, like, let's say, Twilight Zone, okay? And Netflix has the first three seasons of Twilight Zone. But season four, for some reason, is on Hulu. Hmm. But it'll say, we have seasons one, two, three, and four. One, two, three are streaming. Four, we'll send you the discs. Okay. Whereas I know that they do cycle things out with the Marvel movies currently. Like, I know for the longest time, like, Guardians 1 was up there. Guardians 2 was up there. Guardians 1 is no longer on Netflix. Right. I'm sure that whenever, whatever, I don't see much of whatever's on Netflix and the Marvel side of thing will be on there by the end of 2019. Right. And just for the record, season three of Daredevil mm-hmm. is one of my favorite uh, Netflix Marvel shows. It's up there with season one of Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. I haven't figured out which one's better, but oh my God, season three of Daredevil is amazing. I might just jump right into it. And say, whatever, I'm going to jump right into it. Mm-hmm. In between watching three TV shows a week. Right. I, I might have to start uh, binge-watching Sabrina on Netflix, too. Another comic show. Right. That just started this past week, huh? Yes, that's what I heard. I just finished up Daredevil uh, this weekend. So, uh, you know, I might have a new show to start is Sabrina. Now, so we... I, I haven't dove into anything over on the DC streaming service yet. Me either. I think they're already up to episode three of Titans up there. It, that sounds about right, if not four, around mm-hmm. there. And the only thing that I've heard is it's mixed. Like, no one's saying it's knock knock your socks off great. No one's saying it's uh, as terrible as the initial trailer would have you believe it is. Right. But apparently the Doom Patrol is already showing up in it. That, I remember hearing that, that they had a bunch of people, which is going to be like a, uh, you know, a, what do you call it, a pilot, you know, like in the series for Doom, Doom Patrol, because we'll probably get an actual Doom Patrol series out of it. Right, I think they already announced a bunch of casting for it. Yeah, I've seen a lot of shots and stills for Negative Man and, and then Robot Man in the outfit, and uh, you know, uh, who's the Elastigirl, is that her name? Yes. No, that's, is that, isn't she from the... From the Incredibles? Um, no. She, um, or are they both the call the last girl? I get. I think they're confused. both called the last girl. But uh, yeah, that she she was cast, and there's yeah, they have a whole bunch of characters to go. And uh, people forget back in the day, out of the Perez and Titans, uh, Teen Titans, that they did a lot of Doom Patrol stuff because they brought uh, Changeling over from Doom Patrol. He was a part of, you know, he was a guard, a guardians of a couple characters from Doom Patrol and how it all crossed in and out. So I like that it actually is doing it in the shows. I hope it holds, you know, true to some of that uh, Wolfman Perez stuff. 
one of these days I'll watch Titans as well and Doom Patrol, but I think this Daredevil season three is going to just jump to the top of the list, but we'll see. Oh, cool. Why, have you heard good things from other people? I have heard lots of good things from lots of other people. Good. So, the other bit of news, uh, I guess, is one of the more controversial books of 2019, 18, whatever year we're in. 18, we're in the 18th show. We're in the 18th still, is Batman Damned, number one, the first official single issue of DC's black label imprint, oversized, so you had to get a different magazine-sized bag for it. Um, You know, an okay story by most people's account, but of course has that notoriety because Batman shows his wang in the book. Yes, he does. So now, not only did the second issue get delayed, but it was reported that a slabbed 10.0 Gem Men 10 copy <laughs> signed by Azarello, Jim Lee, and Lee Brahamo sold on eBay for $2,500. Now the guy Ooh. did ask initially for three grand, so he's taking a hit on this one. So I kind of uh, feel bad for the poor guy having to lose out on this. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the very reasons why I'm not a fan of the secondary market, the aftermarket, the CG seeing of things, all that sort of jazz. Well, see, I'm for CGC when it's for what it was intended. But, like, okay, say you wanted to buy uh, the first appearance of Sinestro. Let, let's just say that would be something you would buy. You're, as, as long as I've been in this, I'm not a great grader of comics, especially over, at, like, eBay. Like, you have to look at the pictures and, and how much can you actually see. They'll show you the front cover, the back cover. They might show you corners and stuff like that. So if you're buying a copy and you want, you want a copy and you want, you know, a very fine copy and you can find one in CGC. That's what it was intended for. And, you know, I've bought, uh, silver age issues of, you know, Dr. Doom off eBay. Uh, so CGC, I've gotten stuff off of heritage on CGC, but it's an auction house. They have a reputation, so I'm not afraid, but Joe Schmo from Buffalo, I don't know what he's sending me through, you know, through eBay. So that's what CG is, CGC is for. But I do not believe in the book that's only been out three weeks, a month, or whatever it is, CGC'd with the signature series going for what you could buy. Like I even sent you the email when we did this thing. I could buy a, a, you know, a, a low grade copy of the uh, Fantastic Four number five, the first appearance of Doctor Doom, for what they want for that first appearance of Damned with the signatures 10.0. That's ridiculous. That's disjointed. How does that hold its 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 value over the co- course of years? And I don't know. That's my problem with it is that it the the scam that it elevates books that shouldn't be elevated in price if that makes any sense it does now the other thing of course is with his uh signatures of course i guess at a convention that he was at this past weekend brian azarello is charging now i think we've discussed stuff like this on the show before that he'll it's five bucks for a signature 15 bucks if you're going to cgc thing 20 bucks if he's signing a copy of The Damned, 
uh, 40 bucks if he's signing a copy of the damn to be CGC'd. Yes. And at New York Comic Con, Lee Brahamo was doing like the same thing. It was 20 or 40 to be signed and CGC'd. And then if he wanted a little remark doodle on the cover, I think it was 120. Now, I can't fault these guys for doing this. Oh, no, I don't fault them because of what the people are getting in the aftermarket. And it's, it's a circ, it's a big circular system where fans start, are, are yelling about, oh, how could they charge for signatures? Well, because as soon as they, they don't, you guys go and you get them CGC witnessed and sell them for exorbitant amounts of money. I want my, my piece of the, the pie too, if I'm signing these things. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I stepped all over you. No, I was I was in the midst of what I was saying, and um, I don't know. This is why when I go to comic book conventions, I'll buy some of your books if you got some books there. If signature is part of the deal, I'll get it. But very rarely am I bringing stuff to be signed. I'll get my Mark picture. You know, that's about it. But this, I don't think the majority of people, and obviously a hot book like this, and obviously I'm... I want to say, I do not begrudge the creators for doing this. Mm-hmm. I think, if anything, the creators should be, pay- be paid more up front for their work so that they didn't have to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's not get into talk of unions. That's for another show. Right. But this is why, typically, when I go to conventions, I'll just get a mark picture, shake your hand, fist bump, whatever you're comfortable with, say, mm-hmm. I enjoy your work, thank you very much for doing what you do. You're awesome. See, personally, I'm anti-signatures on a cover. And I know I have a few, I have a few friends that, like, they just hate it. They think it ruins, ruins comics. And there are certain times where I get nervous because – I know granted, like certain creators have passed away and they're getting older. So those, those older books, they're, it's not going to happen. But I want a copy of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one, first print. It's an expensive book. It's one of my dream books, but more and more, I can't seem to find a copy of that unsigned signature series CGC, which like sends it through the roof even more. But my scared uh, uh, thing that scares me is that thing only has like a print run of 3000 copies. Very low. Yes. Very low because of what it was. So now everybody's trying to get Eastman or Lara to sign those books. There's a good chance in the next 10 years, there will be more signed copies of that issue than there will be unsigned copies of that issue because Eastman does every con. He has nothing, you know, better to do. He's, I don't know if you know this, Joe, he's made a lot of money in his time. So he can go from con to con. So if people like bring these books to get signature series, how long, you know, till like literally 3000 of them, you know, there's 1500 of them signed 1501. Now there's more copies. than there are. Then does that make the unsigned copies more valuable? I have no idea because we, that is, that is uncharted waters right there. You know, like that has never happened. Like, like, no, I, I don't want to be macabre, but like, like Len Wein, like, so you can't get Swamp Thing or the first appearance of Wolverine signed anymore. He's passed away or Stanley isn't signing much anymore. And there's like thousands of copies of like, you know, Silver Age different stuff. So that's never going to happen, but this could legitimately happen. And like you said, if it does, does that, does that make my copy that's, you know, 
unsigned worth more. And personally, I always looked at it as ink on the cover is a blemish. You know, like I have a few things signed, but they're just for my collection. I don't care if any there's authentication. I'm saying the word wrong, but you know what I mean. Um, For it, because it was personal for me. I have a Carmine Infantino uh, signature on a Flash issue, which I just was like, you know, he's an elderly guy. He created the Flash. I wanted. I have a couple of Neil Gaiman signatures. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? This is just, to me, ruining the outside of my comics. If you like your comic sign, that's fine. But for me, I don't. And I don't know. That's just my opinion on all this. Um, I, if I am purchasing, like when I, when I meet and have met a creator at a con mm-hmm. and they have their books there for sale and I buy the book from them. Right. A lot of times they'll have them already signed or as you're buying them, they'll say, do you want it signed? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say no. You know what I mean? Right. I've done that before, though. You've said, well, you're a much, much worse person than I am. I am history's greatest monster. That is true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I don't care one way or the other. I'm not getting anything CGC'd. I don't have a ton of signed books, and the few books that I have signed, there's stories to them. So that's all there is for it. Just a reminder of that time when I got the story, this, them signed, you know? Right. I get you. Right. Because they were at conventions that I've gone to, just like the conventions this week that <laughs> I won't be going to. <laughs> but maybe you can if you're in any one of these areas. Uh, there's one called the Vegas Valley Comic Book Festival in Las Vegas, I would assume. A little bit more comic book slanted with uh, people like Gene Ha, Jeff Parker, J.H. Williams are going to be there. Uh, the Akron Comic Con in Akron, Ohio. Uh, Barry Kitson, Chris Sprouse, and Brett Breeding, underrated artist uh, at DC of the 90s. Very underrated uh, artist there. Uh, right. There's the Con Fusion show in Muscle Shoals, Alabama, the Jet City comic show in Tacoma, Washington. Todd, there's even a convention in the Isle of Malta this weekend. Ooh. And I bring that up because El Torres is going to be there. He's the featured guest. <laughs> and you know who uh, that is. Yes, I do. Right. He's the rogues guy. So you might need to charter the uh, old Chikaris and Chopter to go to uh, Malta this weekend. Mm. But the Big Daddy convention of the weekend, Todd, is the, as they advertise it on their website, the biggest convention in the littlest state, the Rhode Island Comic Con. Oh. Now, I only mention this up front because (laughs) there are several people that are at this convention that were originally booked for the Rubber City WrestleCon that AIW is doing in Ohio this weekend. And they had to unbook themselves because they got um, a slightly better offer to do the Rhode Island Con. What? Mm-hmm. Root beer isn't paying as well as it used to. Well, I'll tell you off the air. Okay. Uh, so when you start with the... The folks from the world of professional wrestling, you know you've got a stacked convention. Uh, Animal of the Road Warriors, uh, DDP, Goldust, Ken Shamrock, Kevin Nash, uh, Charlotte's Grandfather, Scott Hall, Sean Waltman, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, Tony, uh, Tony Lister, Zeus himself is going to be there. Uh, Hayden Christensen is going to be there. 
Which wrestler was he? No, he's my Darth Vader. Oh, okay. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland, Denny Trejo, Michael, Ro- uh, Michael Rooker, uh, Michael Rosenbaum, Elvira is going to be there. Randy Quaid is going to be there. What, Randy Quaid? Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. That's, that, well, I would say under normal circumstances, that might be the money photo op, but I'm not done. Did mm-hmm. I say Tim Curry? Because if I didn't, Tim Curry. That's the one for me. Lou Diamond Phillips is going to be here. John DiMaggio is going to be here. Dee Snyder is going to be here. <gasps> and Todd, mm-hmm. this one uh, would be the one that I would have you go and have him sign a picture of any of the shows that he would uh, he was on. Because he would only need those four letters to sign it for any of the TV shows he's ever done in the history of his life. Tony Danza is going to be at this convention. Oh, hold me close, young Tony Danza. Some other (laughs) podcast uh, I was listening to this week was making the remarks about how he's always Tony Mm -hmm. in every TV show. And they were alleging that it could have been from his days as a boxer. What? That he may be a little punchy. I heard rumors back in the day Uh-oh. that when uh, Jennifer Conley did The Rocketeer, we yes, we talked about this. It was she was very young and early in her career, but go ahead tell your story. Where the character's name was Betty that she was playing because in the comic famously, uh he the creator created Betty to be look like Betty Page, uh the famous pinup model, and it was rumored that she was have Jennifer was having trouble remembering that she was Betty, so they changed the character's name to Jennifer, which was her name. Oh so. boy. Rocketeer, underrated movie. Rocketeer, definitely an underrated movie. At the time, uh, I did not like it, but uh, that was a good year for movies. Mm-hmm. But uh, any of these conventions, if you're heading out to them, uh, the links to them will be in the show notes, as will information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, soon-to-be-namednetwork.tumblr.com where all the shows in our little conglomeration of shows would all be available there. Would it be this show, uh, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Puzzle Warriors 3, I know Profane Argument is off this week, um, and the rechristening, the rebranding of Podvocacy with Wrestling on the Edge of of Forever. I almost said tomorrow. Wrestling on the Edge of Forever. This week's selections is... And I'm sorry, a Star Trek episode that I don't know from Next Generation? What's the name, does it say? Oh, boy. Um, I'm looking. Don't worry about it, then. Uh, I... No, I don't have it at the t- uh, at my fingertips. But uh, okay. the wrestling match that they're doing is a, ch- a very famous Chikara match featuring uh, one of my favorite people and legitimately one of my favorite wrestlers. Wow. <laughs> so uh, anytime those shows go up, I think their schedule is Wednesday now as well. They're still getting their their feet on the ground and their head in the clouds uh, with the new format change. But you could find out when the show goes live at soon-to-be-named-network.com. Trying to steal our thunder on Wednesday. Fun. Oh, and, I, and how could I forget, Todd? At Odds with Wrestling. Oh, I, it's easily because I forget it all the time. Right. Where this week Adam and I uh, will be talking about uh, the recent WWE Evolution All Ladies pay per view. 
Mm-hmm. And we are on the uh, the cusp of the controversial Crown Jewel event uh, happening uh, in another country or an undisclosed location. Mm, a bunker somewhere. More on that on At Odds at Wrestling this week. Can't wait. More comic book stuff. Tons of digital sales and freebies this week, Todd. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's still Halloween time, so... IDW, Archie, Titan, uh, Dynamite, and Boom, and Dark Horse all have horror and monster and whatever related stuff on sale. Marvel is having a monsters sale as well, which uh, is including, you know, your Tomb of Draculas, uh, anything where Dracula shows up in, uh, the recent Monsters Unleashed thing that they fought for... uh, the rights to Man-Thing stuff, Blade stuff, all that sort of stuff. And then DC is having a Halloween sale. But again, they're they're referring to it as like Halloween and villain sale to kind of pad it out a little bit. You know, you got mm-hmm. Batman, you know, Long Halloween and Dark Victory in there. Sure, sure. Uh, you got American Vampire in there. Okay, that's got a vampire. You got Animal Man. You got Swamp Thing. A lot of Batman stuff they're cramming in here, but sadly, this is like the second week in a row, Todd, where Batman Year One and Dark Knight Returns are not on sale. What? I think they're doing it just to spite me. I bet you they are. I bet you they have you square in their sights to Mm -hmm. to spite. But like, uh, uh, All-Star Westerns included in the Halloween sale. Hmm. Now, I'm not going to argue... Uh, you know, the logic behind that, because it really doesn't make a lick of sense. He fought bat creatures under Gotham. That's Giant true. bat monsters. There was that, there were those two issues, true. So, that's uh, But enough. either way, uh, that run of All-Star Western is on sale. You should go buy it. It is really good comic books. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all the links to those will be in the show notes, of course, all the sales stuff. Uh, the new freebies that they're giving to us this week uh, is something called Bullseye Perfect Game, number one, uh, Marvel Knights Spider-Man, number one, Man-Thing, uh, the most recent miniseries written by R.L. Stein of Goosebumps fame. That's free. And the uh, original Werewolf by Night, number one, is on sale as well. Or on Ooh. sale. It's free. So... Go grab all of those, because they're all free. Halloween. So, let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. I'm going to let you kick things off, uh, talking about your not-Harry Potter book. That's right. Uh, it Books of Magic, number one, from the new you know Vertigo push. Um, it's about uh, Timothy Hunter. You're a wizard, Timmy. But... Uh, it basically starts out uh, that I like that it establishes that Timothy Hunter was visited at some point by uh, the Phantom Stranger, John Constantine, Dr. Occult, and Mr. E, which was the trench coat brigade from that famous Neil Gaiman miniseries. And they, they pretty much explain <clears throat> from flashbacks that that all happened, that that famous miniseries happened. But then it looks like, um, <clears throat> Timothy Hunter wakes up from a dream of remembering that he's ha- he's having a nightmare of it, and he's in school and he's not the famous you know magician that we saw before. It seems like a reboot of uh, Timothy Hunter, and he's in class 
and he's you know picked on. He's like basically the Peter Parker of the Vertigo universe at this mm. point. And he's he's got problems. He's trying to schmooze girls, and there's there's a, you know a big Flash Thompson s character who's bullying him and everything. And the teacher ends up pulling him out of the fight that he's in, and she basically lets Timothy know, "I know you know magic." Uh, or you're destined for magic and I'm kind of like watching over you. And she tells him like, you know, some books, you know, you have to work at magic and Timothy, you know, is a typical vertigo millennial. He wants everything handed to him. He's like, why can't I just do magic right now? I can't read these books that you give me. They're all blank. And she's like, when the time comes and you put enough energy into it, you, it'll, it'll happen. He ends up like, you know, seeing, um, uh, Mad Hetty. You remember her from the Sandman books, the, the homeless person in England. She like gives him some advice. He's talking about fidget spinners and she doesn't know what a fidget spinner is and says like, well, what is it? He's like, it's this thing that like constantly spins and you can play with it and it keeps you focused and everything. She's like, oh, I got one of those in my cart and gives him a yo-yo, which I found funny. He's like, thanks. But in the end, he's starting to, to see magic in the books now that he's been given. And this is kickstarting someone who is watching him realizing that some books weren't ever meant to be read. So now we're not sure if the teacher is doing, uh, doing good things for Timothy or bad things. And because he can see the book at the end, somebody shows up that is, is hinted at is not good. And maybe I read the old books of magic and a lot of the stuff is there, like his mother has, has passed away somehow, and his father is, 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 you know, just doesn't care. He constantly watches TV, maybe drinking himself, uh, to death. Uh, just, it, it seems like the old books of magic a little bit rebooted, but it doesn't have any edge. As I said, it feels like Peter Parker, where the original books of magic just kind of had a bite to it, and this feels mundane, if that makes any sense. Interesting. Uh, I was going to ask you, you know, knowing that you had read the previous run and saying that this feels almost like a reboot starting Timothy Hunter from scratch, where this fits in. Now, again, I'm guessing it's probably been a while since you've read Books of Magic. Again, it's a much lauded series, but, you know, when people think Vertigo, I, I don't think that would be in like the top five books at Vertigo that people think of. You know what I mean? The mini, yes. The ongoing, no. Because the mini was Neil Gaiman, and that's why you have to... It's kind of like why The Killing Joke will never be knocked out of continuity, because it's just... It's held up high, and and people love it. It's the same thing with that Books of Magic miniseries. So they basically have to say, yeah, we, that's constantly the self. So we have to tie it to that. Everything is everything is new from here on out. Fresh start. So, so go ahead, with your comments and so forth about it, are you going to be sticking with it? Um, I'm going to give it a little bit more of a try because there's certain moments where it's truly touching with Timothy Hunter. Like I said, where he's trying to smooze this one girl and he ends up, uh, he ends up, she's like, and I'm going to read it real quick. She, he's like, Hey Ellie, do you want to see some magic? And she says like a trick. And he, he, he's like real magic, of course. And like in a crestfallen look, he's like, I would never trick you. Like in, in, in it's like you could tell that he's liking her and he ends up just completely messing it up and like gets made fun of by the bully and the teacher ends up helping him. And it's in a, in a moment of the book, it's really 
uh, touching and well done, but all the other stuff that's like the tension and the is is Timothy in trouble. I don't buy it. I don't feel that he's in any danger. There's any tension, but the the child stuff, like talking to a girl and being awkward. I'm like, this is very well done. It's like there's some stuff that's really good and there's some not. So for a first issue, I'm like, eh, I'll give you more of a chance, but you don't have a long leash, if you know what I mean. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this was one of the two that I was uh, looking to see what your thoughts were going to be on it. When right. you said and- it was like, you know, Spider-Man, that he's the Peter Parker of the Vertigo universe, I'm like, ooh. But you didn't really sell me on the rest of it. Gotcha. I'm going to try it, and if it gets better, I'll let you know. Of course. And speaking of the Peter Parker of the Vertigo <laughs> universe, let's talk about the Peter Parker of the Marvel universe in Amazing Spider-Man number eight, written by Nick Spencer with art by uh, Humberto Ramos. Uh, this is actually the beginning of a new story arc. Very strange the new story arc would be starting in issue eight. You know, usually keep these things as like six issues, five issues, whatever it is previously. You know, you got seven issues. I'm not sure where this is going to be. Well, actually, I do know where this is going to be collected because... In the Marvel previews that came out this past week, it does say that the next trade is issues, I think, 8 to 11. So it's like, I don't know where those, I guess the first trade's going to be bigger. I don't know. Right, because the first storyline's five issues and then the two-part boomerang story, right? Right. Oh, okay, that's weird. That is weird. Yes. But go ahead, sorry. Right, I was just wondering where the two-part boomerang story was going to fit in, like where it was being collected. But obviously it's being collected with the first trade, one would assume, since it's not in this trade. But anyway, uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, uh, is still with Mary Jane. Mary Jane is jobless, but still has some good severance from her time working for Tony Stark. Peter is in between jobs, but gets called by the Avengers because they need his assistance because someone is stealing all of the Avengers' accoutrements, their weapons, their armor, their shields, their everything. They even went as far as to take all of the armors of Tony Stark out of Avengers Mansion. Mm -hmm. We, the readers of the book, know that it's the Thieves Guild of New York who is doing it. Mm -hmm. Who are the Thieves Guild? I don't know. We'll find out. I'm sure it'll be somehow related to the Thieves Guild, as it was written to be pronounced that way from the Gambit days in X-Men. Uh, but either way, uh, they are somehow magically making everyone's stuff disappear. Spider-Man is on the case until he runs into an old friend who may not be so friendly these days. Yep. I like this idea. It's interesting. You got all the Avengers in the book. I like Humberto Ramos's art, so it was cool to see him draw a whole bunch of people. It is the current Avengers that are in the Jason Aaron written book. So, you know, I don't feel weird in reading it. It fits right into what the current continuity is. And uh, I think Nick Spencer's doing a good job so far on Spider-Man. I- I've really been enjoying it. I agree. Like, the only thing that's my hang-up is the same thing that you kind of said was the Thieves Guild. I'm like, does this all tie into Gambit and all that stuff back in the day? And is is that what this is? Because I vaguely remember reading a few books where Gambit would cross over and there was a Thieves Guild stuff involved Otherwise, it, I'm not going to hang, get hung up on it too much. But the fun in the reveals as uh, not only the Avengers, but other heroes are losing their stuff. 
and what's getting like each one it's cool to see what gets stolen and there's a few gags like you know it's like stolen stolen like various characters stolen from this character stolen from that character and then there's just like a shot of the punisher with all his guns missing like oh like somebody's gonna pay and it's like the fun nods to see what the guild would steal from who right and I kind of want to see if this story goes on for four issues, five issues, three issues, two issues. I think throughout it, because the guild is so big, just pepper it throughout the Marvel Universe. Just random characters. We've seen this one. We've seen that one. It's time for what are they stealing from the Falcon? What are they stealing from Wolverine? What are they stealing from? Like, you don't have to do it constantly, but every couple of pages or a couple of panels, I just want a panel of who the character and what they stole, because I cracked up every time. So yeah, Spider-Man. I'm, I, again, you know Spider-Man is good when Todd is reading it. That's right. As long as it's not Iron Man, I enjoy my Spider-Man. Right. Or if it's Dr. Octopus, it's good too. Uh, occasionally. I don't know. I have to ask certain certain guys on Twitter whether or not uh, uh, Spider-Man's good or not. Hmm. I'll give you his cell number and you guys can text <laughs> directly. That's right. Hey, it's Marvel who messes up Spider-Man, not the writers sometimes. Right. Oh, boy. Anyway, <laughs> so that's what we read this past week. Let's look get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get them in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you're waiting for the trade, oversized hardcover, however it is that you're waiting for your books, be forewarned and be forearmed of what's coming out. The two things that Todd and I are doing this year, 2018, one is the thing that we always do, which is attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Two is how much we've spent on comic books pre-tax, not including supplies, bags, backs, boards, etc. Yep. I don't know if we'll ever, ever, ever do this again. Probably not. So, since I went first, I guess I guess. Yes. I'm looking at your list, and is the book you're looking forward to most Heroes in Crisis is number two? No. Is it Batman Secret for Files number one? Yes. Okay. Uh, we we talked a couple weeks ago on the show about how I missed the Secret Files books. That is true, yep. And how they did one. It seemed like any time there was a big event starting – or a big event about to end, DC would always do a Secret Files, and some people would do them better, some people would do them worse. They even did one that was just like Gotham City Secret Files. It was like, here's the map of Gotham City, and here's like, here's the police cars, and stuff like that, you know? It's like, all right. But they hadn't done them in a while, and this is the first one they've done in quite some time, and it's Bat, and it's Batman. And I understand there's a detective chimp story in it. And Tom King is writing stuff in it. And they have a whole bunch of other people in it as well. Even though it's kind of in the middle of a story arc uh, over on the main Tom King Batman book, I'm all about the return of uh, DC doing Secret Files books. Mm-hmm. The book I think you're most looking forward to coming out this week is the Avengers Halloween special, because you're a sucker for holiday specials. It is not. I'm actually the Secret Files guy too. The detective. Oh, get champ- out of town. Yes, I mean that is number two. But I'm, I am all in on the Tom King. When I found out, I believe it is actually a Tom King slash detective chimp story. Oh, I was like, oh, I kind of want to read that. Yes. 
All right, so, so Batman Secret Files. Way to go, everyone. Yes. <laughs> so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, comic book related, uh, whether it be past uh, pull posts, past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, uh, the 2017 smash hit sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues, and you might see an episode of uh, Ad Odds Wrestling pop up in there just because I don't want to purchase another URL for it. What? No, really? Yes. Now, you can also purchase things that are store, uh, shirts, stickers, or pins with our fancy logo on them. Price to move, uh, perfect for the upcoming holiday season. Uh, there's only seven shopping weeks left in Christmas. <laughs> Let that sink in. Give the loved one in your life a uh, shirt, a sticker, or a pin, or all three with Todd and I's faces on them. And then explain oh. what that means. It's the Christmas that keeps on giving. And then see what the back of that shirt looks like as that person walks out of your life forever. Oh, we should write something on the back of the shirt so at least people have something to remember them by. Now, if you don't want a shirt, a sticker, or a pin, of course, uh, you could also purchase anything else to your heart's content through our Amazon click-through. We get a little bit of a kickback. They call it an advertising fee. I call it something that makes Todd happy at the end of the month. And the beginning of the month. And sometimes. the beginning of the month because sometimes the PayPal transfer takes a little while. That is true. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week was uh, X-Men Black Juggernaut. Uh, I think it's some sort of new thing. X-Men's... I'm really out of touch with what's going on in the X-Men. I know they had, like, a red and a gold and a blue team, and then there's a black team, and then they're supposed to be rebooting everything with the first time that they're doing Uncanny X-Men as a number one in four years, which (laughs) is a big deal to some people. I don't know. That's a that's an eternity in the X-Men universe to not reboot a book. It certainly is. Uh, someone also purchased a Lion Becker Italian shirt, double collar, casual button-down shirt. Those convoluted uh, descriptions, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone also purchased an Anchor Power Core uh, portable phone charger thing. Always mm-hmm. a good idea to have. Uh, backup battery, something else you could plug in. As someone who lives in constant fear of their phone running out of juice, this is a perfect uh, gift, not only for your loved one, but for yourself. This and a pocket knife. Mm, I need one of those for, for cons. That's my, my big thing. Whenever I go to cons, I'm always like, I'm never going to make it throughout the day. Ah. Uh, someone also purchased a uh, GT190 pen display graphics drawing tablet monitor with screen. 19-inch screen, and I have it on good authority that someone may have done uh, the Amazon version of the Kroger meat opportunity (laughs) when purchasing this item. Oh, did they use a a gift, buy a gift card using the click-through, and then you said click-through, or gift card, to click through something else? Yes. Oh, you are the greatest friend to the show, my good sir or ma'am. Even though you're no longer editor of the show. It's when you do things like this that makes you special in our hearts. Oh, I think I I think I've cracked the code, Joe. <laughs> that was a tough riddle uh, oh. to get around. So uh, before we get into Todd's art attack, we're mm-hmm. halfway through the season, Todd. Mm-hmm. How's everyone doing in their pigskin pickums? Everybody's doing great. Nobody's doing bad at all. Let's move on. Everyone's tied for first. Mm-hmm. We're all winners. <laughs> they all won. Uh, let's see. I'm in 48th place. I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. I am beating words, Big 80, whoever that is. 
No, oh, that is, are you beating yourself again, Joe? You're beating me, aren't, well, me. You're beating Asa, so you should feel happy about yourself, right? That's right. There's nothing more I like to do than beat children. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not funny, but it's only, it's okay because it's my kid. That is true. Nah, he had a good week two weeks ago, and then the last two weeks have been kind of uh, pitiful, but he don't He's care, getting- I don't care. We have fun. He's getting candy. He don't care. Yeah, exactly. He's getting open Pokemon cards. You know, that's all oh. he cares about. Uh, so, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? Yes, we had from Mega Contributor Euronymous. He gave us, he sent in a super awesome Kyle Starks uh, when he was pimping his Mars Attacks book at uh, Euronymous's local comic book shop. So he had him draw his favorite wrestler, which is... Nakamura. Oh, I'm boy. honestly you asking like you don't know who that is. I know who that is, and uh, he would uh, he so he that's his first favorite wrestler, and he actually gave him a actual Coke Zero, not the fake Coke that Diet Cokes that I was given Kyle Starks back at the Philly Con. So good for him. Uh, Mars Attacks. Uh, actually, it's a Mars Attacks blank cover. So right, also, there's there's the Mars Attack alien in the background there. Scratching his head in bewilderment at the uh, the movements of one Shinsuke Nakamura. Ah, that's, that's his full name, I guess. Okay. And I contributed a page that I got from New York Comic Con from FF number 14. Not the original FF Fantastic Four, but the Future Foundation book um, that was drawn by Steve Epting. And it is a page that has three wonderful panels of Doctor Doom and one Spider-Man panel, which is hard to see if you don't actually look because it's not in color, of uh, the Future Foundation Spider-Man uniform. I always wanted something from Steve Epting, and I've never gotten a chance. And I always wanted a Doctor Doom because I always thought his Doctor Doom was downright perfect. So when I was at the show and I saw this page at a dealer for cheap, for not cheap money, but decent money. I was like, all right, you're asking a fair amount for that. So I ended up uh, grabbing it, and I'm glad I did because it looks good in my uh, portfolio. That is a very nice page. Steve Epting, another underrated artist from the current days. Yes. Hopefully we'll get some more Velvet someday. Yes. So thanks, everyone, who contributed to an Todd's art attack, whether you did the art yourself, you purchased it, or what have you, uh, just uh, tag Todd's art attack in it. We'll share it with the rest of the world. Yay, sharing. So let's get into TV talk. Uh, before we do, um, those who did not see or do not care about the latest episodes of Dr. Wu, The Flash, or Legends of Tomorrow, we bid you adieu. And uh, we'll give you a couple seconds here. To uh, part ways. Right. So where would you like to begin with the TV talk this week? Let's start with your favorite show, Doctor Who. My favorite show. Now, I did not see any reaction. I did have some reaction from last week's episode trickle into me. Right. From other folks, whether it be yourself, whether it be the uh, formerly fancy gentleman... Uh, other folks that I follow on Twitter that are Doctor Who Vians. Right. That were. So I don't know what the general populace thought of this episode. 
Right. So, uh, this episode entitled Arachnids in the UK, I don't think that's a clever pun on anything. That's about as spot on the nose as it gets. It's, uh, Anarchy in the, in the UK. Is there a song? Isn't there an Anarchy oh, in the UK? Oh, it's supposed to be like a, oh my goodness. Now I like the episode less. Let me change Ooh. my IMDb star rating. <laughs> oh. Anyway, uh, the doctor gets everyone back to their time. Uh, practically right outside Yaz's uh, apartment, well, where she lives with her family, and they've been gone for a while. They've gone on many adventures that goes over the course of several days in the show, uh, at the very least three episodes in our time, but the Doctor tells them that they've only been gone for a half hour in their right. time. So they've done all this stuff that we've seen them go through over the previous three episodes in a half hour of the time that they left. Um, also, the main plot of the story i would assume is yaz's mother works for a hotel tycoon right who is not donald trump but right. is donald trump no but, he's not because but, they mentioned donald in the in the show but is donald trump okay as soon as he shows up in that opening scene i'm like okay they're doing a trump thing here then later in the episode they say oh He's going to be running for president in 2020 because he doesn't like Donald Trump. He says, don't mention that name to him, to me. I hate him. But this guy acts and dresses and even makes like the faces that Trump makes. Mm -hmm. Chris so, Knopf as Robertson. What was that? Chris Knopf, Knopf as Robertson. He's, you know, an actor who's been on Sex in the City and Law and Order. Oh, he's Mr. Big. Oh, that's right. He is Mr. Big. <laughs> you big Sex in the City fan? Oh, you are a Carrie, as far as I'm concerned. You know it. Mm -hmm. Um. So, um, he's you know, and he even says you're fired a bunch of times. You're fired. He says, you know, mm -hmm. just like uh, the uh, just like Trump would say, you know. Right. Um. But what they find out is that spiders are taking things over. Right. And the spiders are getting bigger and bigger, spinning bigger and bigger webs around people in the building where Yaz and her family live, at the hotel that not Donald Trump, Mr. Big, is uh, doing his thing at. Mm -hmm. And it's revealed that he built his hotel on a landfill that had some sort of radioactive muckety-muck in it. Right, it was a coal mine that he was using to dump garbage in and rate and and waste, plus put the hotel on top of it. He was like, it's win win all around. Right, but the garbage from the lab where they were attempting to do experiments on spiders, the failed experiments were going there, mixed with the toxic waste, was making the spiders become weaponized and giant and overrun all of wherever they are in the UK. Sheffield. 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 So it's a giant spider invasion, not starring David Arquette, eight-legged <laughs> freaks, Doctor Who style. Right. Uh, I thought this was fine. Uh, I thought this was a fun episode, uh, you know, somewhat self-contained. You know, there's a B-plot with, um, what's his name, Graham, the older guy, who's part that of was the Doctor's collective, who he keeps seeing visions of his deceased wife, uh, right. the grandmother of Ryan. 
Right, which I thought was really good because in this show, in this the show that that constantly you know has people dying, not necessarily the main cast, but people people know and there's death in it. They never really touch on it, and I like the fact that he comes back and he's like seeing visions of her. I mean, I don't believe he's crazy. They're just establishing that he he you misses know, her. He misses her. It's not so. I'm kind of like this is this is cool because they've never really had someone in the group trying to get like a companion trying to get over a death while you know they're traveling throughout the stars and for an, a, an older gentleman in the you know in as a companion he's like I have to do this I need it's almost like a therapy for him to go off and and travel with the doctor when he does so I do I do like that and uh, you get to see some of Yaz's family and it's fun. They, you know, the giant spiders are are attacking, and it's fun. And in this, the doctor seems to be more of what I, what people look for in an episode. It's a monster of the week episode, and plus, she's starting to be like a doctor who has like the fun, quippy like dialogue where she'll just throw out random stuff and be like, "Yeah, we did this," and it, you know, spiders. If you made the webbing bigger, it could hold back a you know a, a giant plane. And just ask me because it happened with me and Amelia Earhart, and they're like, "What?" She's like, "Amelia, you'd love her." And then just like that's the end of it. It's just she just throws out these random wackiness stuff and so i'm starting to like uh her jody as the doctor more and more in this and i also like the fact that when uh the uh the chris noth character wants to kill the giant spider she's like no because these aren't monsters like the tooth predator tim shaw from previous episodes where she's like they have like sentience they, she, he's deciding to do bad so we have to stop him you know any means necessary but with the spiders, she's like, I feel bad for them because it's not their fault. They're mutated. They're big. They're just, they're just doing what they're, they're made, they're animals doing instinctively. Like we have to kind of find a way to fix this. And he's like, no, he just, he just kills them where the doctor has some compassion for them because they're not really evil. They're just giant forces of nature. And I think that really comes through, uh, like, you know, as the character, it shows you that she's not all just like fire and brimstone. So. That's kind of what I like about the Doctor. Right. As you said, this is a Monster of the Week episode, and I know what that means from, you know, your Smallvilles, your Buffies, your things like this. X-Files, stuff like that. Sure. I thought this was perfectly fine. Uh, I thought the effects, for the most part, like 98% of the time, the effects on the spiders were really good. Strangely, Mm -hmm. there's one scene where Graham and Ryan are running from the spiders. Right. They find the big giant spider in that one ballroom, right? Mm-hmm. And then they run into that kitchen where they are. And there's like a two second shot where them running is real janky looking. And I'm just okay. like, oh man, the special effects have been so good up until this point, And now you go and ruin it. And I do like that that ballroom scene. That's a great like Doctor Who moment where uh, where Graham and Ryan are just chatting, and they're chatting about Ryan's father who like maybe abandoned him years ago and stuff like that. And they walk into the ballroom, and they're like, you know, and they're just talking about that for like ten, eleven sentences, and then they just look at each other and they go, "Did anybody check the ceiling?" And like it's something that as you're not even thinking about. And he's like, I didn't check the ceiling. And it's just like, it's in that moment where you just go, oh, there's going to be something on the ceiling. It's like, and I just like when, 
like they can like in a story, like, you know, a scary story, whatever it is, they catch you off guard for a second. And then you just realize how bad it's going to be like a split second before it happens. So, like I said, I think uh, the, the, the writers on this season are doing really well with that kind of stuff. It's fun. I'm enjoying it. This is going to be your doctor, Joe. I hope so. It'll help everybody. Me be, it'll help me appear more woke to the people that I'm not woke to. <laughs> everybody, everybody remembers their first doctor, right? So mine is Scarfy. Hey, love, love. You gotta love Scarfy, right? So let's next talk about Legends of Tomorrow. We're gonna end on the Flash, okay? We're gonna end on the Flash. Uh, Witch Hunt. Uh, this is, you got your A story of them hunting down uh, the monsters that they let loose. This mm-hmm. one is in Salem in the 1600s, and it's a woman. Is it her? Is it the daughter? Is it her? No, the daughter actually has the literal encapsulation of the blue fairy godmother from Cinderella as an evil witch. Not the monster you thought it was going to be. Right. Your B story, it's like a B, it's a 1B and a 2B that kind of come together. Nate and his dad, um, Biff, Tannen, <laughs> are having some difficulties both keeping secrets from each other. And wouldn't you know who won the pony, their two secrets converge <gasps> as Biff Tannen, from all the millions that he won from the Sports Almanac, right. is the one who funds the Time Bureau. But since they've fixed the time thing... It's up to Nate, secret time adventurer and superhero, to convince his dad, Biff Tannen, that they need $4.3 billion a year to continue funding now that they have to fight magic as well. Right. Little on the wigs. Uh, There were scenes of people wearing giant hats this week. Uh, so I was thinking when uh, Rory Mick had a giant pilgrim hat on him, like, wow, and it, was, it looks like a normal pilgrim hat on him. <laughs> I've never worn a hat that fits so well in my life. <laughs> it's supposed to be big. <laughs> so it was a complete rib because it's like, yep, we're all going to get dressed to go down to pilgrim times. <laughs> Mick gets dressed. He's like, yeah, I'm not going. <laughs> it was just so they could get rid of the one scene of the ridiculous outfit. <laughs> yep. And then there's a little bit of play of Mick and John not getting along as I hear do 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 But they're the same character. Mm-hmm. They're both gruff, lovable guys. It's not like one's clean and one's messy. They just they're the t- I think they're gonna end up being drinking buddies before it's all over. They're this century's odd couple. Right. But my favorite thing in, in the whole episode is when is when they blast us with not one, but two puns, like in the course of a minute and a half, where uh, Ray is like, well, or trying to come up with names for these anomalies and their their, you know, their their uh, folklore and myths. And they're also mysteries. So I say we call them mytheries. And I was like. They're mysteries to me now, Ray. I'm like, I don't care what you call them, anomalies, whatever. This show is tiny wig or wigs, tiny hats, and mysteries this season. And then when she's like, "Oh, we're in the the the, the pilgrim days," it's it's time for the Puritan Puritans to get their Purit on. And I'm like, "Oh my God, 
stop just catering to one person in the audience, and that's me. Well, again, there's parts of the show that cater just to you, and there's parts mm-hmm. that cater just to me. Hats and wigs. So it is. It works out well. It really does. I think there was an even good. There was a good flow this this episode. Right. This one. Uh, good second episode. I like the stuff. You know, playing on the. Cinderella stuff without coming out and saying Cinderella without being sued because they don't want to be sued. Right, the Disney stuff and they're like just the groaning when they st- when she starts singing and everything. I was like, oh my god! Like and this- Ray's like, I hear music. And they're like this Disney crap, and it's like you know Disney owns the Marvel stuff. I was like, there's a little there's a little bit of that there. I was laughing. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the perfect amount of every character. I like the fight scene. Uh, with. Uh, what well, was uh with Sarah beating up the guys? I thought that was very well choreographed. I sent a tweet out to the fight choreographer to let him know how good of a job I thought he did. I'm um, glad you did. I think they're doing a better job, uh, with Zari this season. Mm-hmm. Um, making her—I don't want to say making her part of the team because that's a wrong choice of words. I think so far in these two episodes, I think we've gotten more. Uh, a believable sympathy for her character than we had in the stuff that we saw previously, at least for me. Right. The only problem I had with Zari, there was only one problem, was her way to, to show that the, to show the pilgrims that that woman wasn't a witch and was innocent was by showing up and using something that looked completely like magic. Do you you know what I mean? Like, I understand she was, she was mad and did all this, but as soon as she shows up, it's like, you, you people, there's no such thing as the devil. This woman's innocent. Let me lift you all off the ground with wind and suck the air out of your lungs. I'm like, you're not going to win over that there's no witches with that. You know that, right? In 16, whatever. And it was just funny because I was like, that's the, the thing you did was the worst possible thing you can do. And sometimes when it's written well, like there's reasons for the worst thing you can do. And they try to establish that, that she felt that her family was persecuted the way the, the, the these women were as witches. And, and I'm like, it all worked. But to me, it was like, nope. I'm like, it, it just, it was such a bad idea. Otherwise, I love the episode, if that makes any sense. Right. Love the episode as well, of course. Uh, my only real complaint about the episode was uh, Nate turned to steel, and they showed the CG of him talking, which never looks good. Or always looks good. Looks so bad. Yeah, no. <sighs> it's really good. So last but not least is The Flash. <laughs> right. Uh, the episode title is Death of Vibe. So they're leading us to believe that Vibe is going to be uh, Cicada's next target. Right. And this is one of those things that we, the viewer of the show, know, but the rest of the team doesn't know. But they know they're trying to figure out what the deal is with Cicada. Uh, and they kind of go a little heavy-handed where Cicada's looking up the stuff on Vibe. And then all of a sudden, in the one picture of Vibe that made the paper, there's a blurry, out-of-focus shot of Joe West in the background. <laughs> and we pull in on that. And we're like, huh, I wonder what Cicada's plan's going to be in this episode. Well, didn't they have a couple of pictures of Vibe with with Joe, though? Right, but there was one in particular that was like, this is the one we're going to like make full size, just this little corner of the picture. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's up to. I get you. See, what I thought you were like, oh, like one picture with blurry Joe in the background. I'm like, at least they established that Joe has made the mistake to be in several pictures. 
So at least you can go, all right, there's my key. I thought you were making fun of, oh, there's one random picture of a guy in the background. I'll go shake him down. You know what I mean? Right. No, no, no. It was, it was just, he was in the bunch of the pictures, but it was just that one in particular. Right. So while that is technically the A story, uh, the B story is still all the stuff with Caitlin, with, uh, her trying to figure out what's going on with her father's fake thing. And again, a little bit more on the nose, pun intended, because Ralph and the Wiggle Under the Nose, where they go through, it's like, oh, when we were kids, he would let me make up my own fake periodic table. Sometimes the things didn't even make any sense. Nerdinium. Mm-hmm. And then That's when she finds it. the letter from uh, him that means nothing, and then she uses her fake periodic table that she made as a kid, and that's how she deciphers the code, which was, sadly, drink more Ovaltine. But <laughs> as soon as they introduce, it's like, oh, here's the fake periodic table that I did, that he would just let me make things up. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to come back into play. And, like, it came back into play, like, 20 minutes later. I'm just like, oh, come on, guys. I was. That was the weakest part, because then she's like... All these compounds, they don't make any sense. These aren't even elements. And you're like, just go get the, the periodic table you made up. It's like, I don't need to be Ralph Dibney or even Sherlock Wells oh. to figure this mystery out. Joe. Now, Todd, you're wondering, you're wondering why I want to save the Flash for last. I figured oh. why. So, excess, uh, Barry's, Barry and Iris's daughter gets the idea. Uh, you know, I know what we need. We need someone to think outside the box. Let's go get a Wells to help us out. So they so get first. They get, they get like I forget hair what, well. what hair Wells. Yes, and he's all snooty and he's like so like Dieter from Sprockets. And right, but he's only just fantastic. I thought, I thought we were gonna just get him right. Right. Then we get Sherlock Wells. But first, with Harewells, is like vibes like, you don't want to go to this guy, he's a jerk, blah, blah, blah. But as soon as it's like excess Iris and, and Barry, he's all like, he's all like marking out. He's like, oh, this is the, the Barry Allen. Oh, you're the best. And he's like, and vibe is like, oh, by the way, spot on Harewells impersonation. I, I didn't and, want to, I thought he was really here. I thought you had a guest on the show. Right. So, but he's going on and he's like, he's like, Vibes, like, don't fall for it. And it's just, it, I thought that was a great gag. I was laughing really hard. And then there's like, you want the greatest, you know, detective in the world, Sherlock Wells. And it, it's Sherlock Wells. And I'm like, has there been a bad Wells yet? Any version? Now, this one didn't have any pieces of, uh, like, plastic tubing duct tape to him. Right. So he only gets a 9.5 on the Wells scale. <laughs> right. Uh, but when he shows up as Sherlock Wells and he's French <laughs> and Sherlock is spelled S-H-E-L-O-Q-U-E and right. he's all pretentious and he's doing like actual detective work and then we find out that he's just a scam artist because he's <laughs> lived this before. He's lived this 37 times. He's like, oh, 37 times it's been this guy. 37 times I've gone through this. Of course it's going to be. But he didn't take into the, to effect that Nora Excess showing up has altered the timeline. So now he actually has to do detective work uh cicada goes after joe they figure out that's where he is they go and stop him and cicada must be a family man and we get a little bit to try to make uh cicada a bit of a sympathetic heel mm -hmm. but the fact that he's the uh meathead guy from american pie i'll never like him <laughs> 
They should have okay. got Stifler to play Cicada, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> Stiff Cicada. Right? Stiff Cicada. Oh. So, I'm just going to go over a few things. All right. It was a great episode, made greater by the rich. And they and they say, oh, Sherlock Wells, you can stay with us for the rest of the season. And I'm like, yes! They didn't say the rest of the season, but that's what they said to me, that he's going to be here for the rest of the season. Or at least until, like, the mid-season break. Until he pays off his loans, his student loans. Um, oh, wife four and six are the same one. <laughs> right. But I love the fact, like, as you say he was a scam, but it was only a scam in that he had figured out who the other cicadas were on all the other earths. And it's always been that. But he's like, you didn't you didn't tell me that there, that there's been a time change. This isn't fair. But they do establish before that that he is a great detective because he ends up figuring out all the things that other people have. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's not that he's a scam detective. It's just he was like, you're going to pay me for doing no work. And I do think him getting paid in Star Lab stock is going to be the thing that kickstarts the Flash Museum being created at Star Labs. Oh, I like that theory. Because... That was great. That was one of the things. When they show Star Lab, uh, the Flash Museum in the future, I marked out. That's one of my favorite things in the comics. So I'm like, okay, I think they're setting it up because he can't pay the money back and they can't get that stock back. So I'm wondering who's going to take control of all that. But I, I really, I, I don't know. I just, I, I totally love, uh, Sherlock Wells in, in all that. And I think he's going to stick around, like you said, for a long time. And he ends up deducing that maybe, um, her coming back and doing, uh, excess her pronouns, pal, um, coming back and doing what she's doing may not be just her choice. And he's starting to deduce there's something up with excess. There's a lot going on in this episode. And also, the fact that you have told me that Cicada is the meathead from uh, American Pie, if I didn't know that, I would have liked Cicada. Now he's completely 100% ruined for me. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, God, it's the guy who liked Mina Suvari in American Pie. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. Why couldn't they get, like, why couldn't they get Stifler. Sean Connery? Why couldn't they get Sean Connery? He quit acting after he did League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That's right, because he passed up all those great roles. Oh, um, remind me about League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Okay, League off, of... off air, off air. I know, I'm just writing it down. Okay. Because there's swears in the story, I can't say that okay. on the show. All right. All right, so Flash is awesome. Um, Harewell's, or uh, Tom Cavanaugh's back. Tom Cavanaugh needs to get whatever awards they give for acting, he should get them all just for his appearances on this. Yes, I know he's done other things, but this is the role that he'll be remembered the rest of his life for. He's having a blast doing this show. Oh, you can tell. <laughs> and he's just like, what craziness do I get to do this week? Do I get to do the greatest Australian Mad Max Wells ever? Yes, I do. Am I Sherlock Wells? Am I... A different Wells possessed by Gorilla Grodd. It's like, it's like, just take a Wells, a character. It's, it's like a mixture. You're just throwing all these ingredients into the batch and just adding a little Wells. It, it's fantastic. Mm hmm. So. So Flash is awesome. Right. I, th I think, I think that's everything. 
Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. So, I guess, is that it for this week? All right, so uh, closing out episode 422 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll see you all here next week, and thanks for listening. Week nine, season's almost half over. Let's do our picks, and then we can get back to our favorite thing, which is homework. We're recording this late because Asa went. For real, I have to go do more homework. No, I'm messing with you. You did all your homework. Maybe we can open up a, a pack on uh, Pokemon Electric Boogie Boogie. Yay! All right, this one. Forty nine. 49ers. This one. Falcons. This one. Lions. I'm just gonna. Well, you gotta say. No, you gotta do it as I point to them. Steelers. Chiefs. Whoa, buddy. Jets. Bears. Buccaneers. And last game. Titans. All right, that is all. Week 9 is in the books. Bye-bye, people.